Harley is the expat. Fernando Farias is the local. BA Cast, the Buenos Aires podcast. This is the second part of our 35th anniversary special edition and the coup d'etat that initiated a dictatorial regime that called itself Process of National Reorganization, a period known in the English-speaking world as the Dirty War. In this piece, we focus on the background, the previous years, which are key to understand the whole process. The period covered begins in 1955, when the elected government of General Juan Perón was overthrown by a military-civilian coalition that claimed they were toppling a dictatorship. They implemented in instead an anti-Peronist dictatorship, in which even saying Perón out loud was outlawed, let alone pro-Peronist political activism and participation of Peronism in elections. Again, you are going to listen to some of the voices you heard on the first chapter of this B.A. Cast special edition, like journalists Robert Cox and Christy Robinson, historian Luca Rentero, and once more, Dan will be quoting California University professor David Rock's book on Argentina. Ah, also, during this period, Argentine rock was born, so you'll listen to some of the most representative tunes of the era, the favorite tunes of a generation, a part of which is now Desaparecida. For example, these are the cats, or rather los gatos, with the raft, la balsa, whose first line is, I'm so lonely here in this forsaken world, I want to take off on a raft. from democracy dictatorship, democracy dictatorship, like the, the void that was left when Perón was exiled to Spain. It was basically 20 years of a vacuum, as far as I'm concerned, when I look at what happened here, which is why nobody, because per Peronism was completely banned. Yeah. It was and just... And it was the majoritarian political force. Right. Yeah, so it was just ping-pong, like weak democracy dictatorship, weak democracy dictatorship, backwards and forwards for the best part of 20 years as all the institutions were getting weaker, people were getting more and more dissatisfied with the weak democracies and the dictatorships. Right, because nothing Hence, was working. when the, the coup happened in 76 for the dirty war, as we're calling it in English, many people welcomed that because they thought that really this time there was going to be at least restructuring and some level of stability, whether people wanted... <coughs> A uh, uh, junta in power or not? Right. A lot. A lot of people who had a memory of 20 years of the country being all over the place thought it was a good thing. I think we all thought that law is going to come back, democracy is going to come back, and it it wasn't happening. Okay, so let's do a brief overview. Overview then. Juan Perón. Sí. When was he president? Primero tiene una presidencia. First, he had a democratic government from 1946 to 1955 when there was a coup d'etat. 
Then what happened? Each military government gives itself a name, and in this case, it was the Liberating Revolution. Of course. Well, why would they call themselves a dictatorship? <laughs> We're the liberators. Under this government, a pro-Peronist military uprising was crushed, and its leaders were executed by firing squad, together with people that had nothing to do with it. And they were 55 till when? So there were elections again, but without Peronism, meaning that Peronism was barred. And the elections were won by Frondizi with the support of Peronism. What year? From 58 until the 60s. Okay, so military dictatorship, 55 to 58. Then, fa, what was the name? Fa, Frondizi. Frondizi, 58 till 62. Then what? And then there was some kind of coup supported by the military. But they didn't directly take power. In any case, Frondizi was incarcerated. Quick note, one of the reasons for the oust was opening too opening much too to Peronism. So Frondizi is put in jail in 62. By the military. And the military supports... An, but, they don't take, but they support another mm, semi-dictator. No. No. So the president of the lower chamber took over, which is similar to what happened here in 2001. Okay. So the president resigned and the constitutional logic... And the system takes over. Okay. And so there are new elections, but Peronism is banned and cannot participate. Uh-huh. So the UCR party wins the elections with Ilia, and he is overthrown by a coup d'etat. Wait, il, wait, 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 one step at a time. Ilia, what year was he elected? 63. And then in 65, he was out. By golpe de estado. 66. Again. So sí. three years and then another coup. Sí, mm -hmm. exactamente. Fantastic. And there is also a very important cultural change. This is the 60s here in Buenos Aires and in other cities. So there is a very important growth of a cultural and countercultural movement. So there are publications, there are magazines, there's rock and roll. It's really like a spring. And this has a lot to do with what later on is going to be annihilated. So this generation that's going to be kidnapped, tortured, and annihilated was formed and grew in the 60s. So there was a hippie movement, just to call it something in English, in the 60s, here. If you're going to San Francisco Leftist, hippie, whatever you want. It's a bit more than just hippies. There's a very tight connection between politics and culture. Mm. It's not only with the youth. In 66, the government, there's another military coup against Ilia. And the military takes over. So the general who's going to lead this new dictatorship called Revolución Argentina, or Argentine Revolution, is General Juan Carlos Onganía. Onganía is the general under whose government women were chased by police for using miniskirts, men for using long hair. Telos, or rather hourly room hotels for couples, were raided in the name of morality and the University of Buenos Aires, the UBA, was seized and its students and faculty beaten because the university was seen as a hotbed for communism. This suffocation of society, and especially 
The suffocation of the youth can be perfectly noticed in the lyrics of many rock songs of the era. One notable example is The March of Rage, La Marcha de la Bronca, by duo Pedro y Pablo. See, they were in power from 66 till when? Hasta el 73. They were in power until 73. A key year in history, which is the messy year 73. Real quick review. Okay, Perón goes down in 55. 55 is military coup. They're out in 58. Who takes over in 58? Frondizi. Frondizi's out in 62. Elia takes over. Elia's out by military coup in 66. In 66, military coup. In 73, the military, the Revolucion military coup is out, and we have a messy 73. Very messy, yeah. To me, looking at 73, 72 is very important. One of the things that I actually have done a couple of pieces on was the Trelew massacre, which happened in August 72. And that was the first time the uh, military junta had openly killed rebels mm -hmm. as such. It's a very long story, but I think that really is a turning point, at least the way I view it. In that If we have to summarize it, what would happen? There were rebels there detained? There were um, two kind of political prisons. Um, one was down in Patagonia and one was up in Chaco, in Resistencia. And the one down in Patagonia was in Rausun, which is next to Trelo, where Na there's a naval, naval base. Yeah, and there's a naval base there. And the this is Santa Cruz, the this is way south? In or? Chubut. Okay. The, the political prisoners who were being held in this base decided to break out, long story short. And it was semi-failed in terms of the breakout. Only six people actually managed to escape from the prison breakout. And 19 people made it to the airport but didn't make it onto the plane that they'd managed to divert Um, and they, the 19 people, uh, remained in the airport for a few days and then agreed to return to the prison. But the military dictatorship in power, instead of taking them to the prison, took them to the naval base and um, openly killed 16 of them. They, they opened the cells at three o'clock in the morning and went in with machine guns and shot everyone. The military put a twist on it that said that they'd actually been trying to escape the, the naval base. At this point, let's go back in time to 1970. Here's a paragraph from Professor Rock's book on the main armed organizations in Argentina. By the end of 1970, the main guerrilla groups were the Montoneros, the Fuerzas Armadas Peronistas, and the Fuerzas Armadas Revolucionarias, as well as the non-Peronist ERP, or Ejército Revolucionario del Pueblo, represented the armed wing of a small Trotskyite party, the Partido Revolucionario de los Trabajadores, or PRT, which formed in July of 1970. For the next two years, the guerrilla bands, none of them having more than a few score activists, conducted separate operations. The Peronists largely in and around Buenos Aires and the ERP primarily in Córdoba. They staged kidnappings, bank robberies, assassinations of senior army or police personnel, 
and Robin Hood escapades in which multinationals were forced to make charity handouts in the shanty towns in return for abducted executives. In 1973, the Peronist groups united under the Montoneros. Guerrilla bands were composed overwhelmingly of students or young professionals, many from affluent middle-class families and nearly all in their early 20s. All, too, were disgruntled with the traditional left, its impotence in elections or among the unions, and now they proclaimed popular revolution as an immediate goal. In the 1970s, around 700 people were killed by left-wing armed groups as a result of bombings, attacks on military installations, and executions. 70% of that total were members of security forces from top brass to conscripts, and 85% of those deaths took place before the 1976 coup. Go to the cheat sheet for sources and more information. Estas eh, guerrillas urbanas que surgen son these urban guerrillas that appear are somehow a result of the context. They are a result of the back and forth and the interruptions and violence on the possibility of developing a democratic process. It wasn't possible with Peronism, and it wasn't possible with their opposition, the UCR. So for an entire generation, the democratic process was blocked. Yeah. That's clear. That is obvious. Not only was it that everything was super unstable and that you could sometimes vote and sometimes not vote, but when you could vote, you couldn't even vote for the guy you wanted to vote for. Here's another tune of the era. Ayer no más. It was only yesterday. By Morris from 1967. Vocals kick in with the following line. It was only yesterday. They taught me at school that this country is big and has liberty. Ayer no más, en el colegio me enseñaron que este país es grande y tiene libertad. Hoy desperté y vi mi cama y vi mi cuarto en este mes. No tuve mucho que comer Okay, so sorry. I'm dying to know what happened in 73. Vuelve Perón. Okay. Básicamente es lo más importante. So Perón comes back. That's the most important thing, but the problem is that he's also very old. Entre el golpe del 55, ¿no? Between the coup in 1955 and his return in 1973, Perón's figure grew to be somewhat legendary. It's like you, like you say, don't, don't have drugs, don't have drugs, don't have drugs, don't have drugs. Drugs are great. I mean, you want to try them. That's probably what happened with many of these youths who joined armed organizations. Mm. who see in Perón's return a chance for total social and political transformation. And when Perón returns, the disappointment is huge. So he's back in 73. How long was he around for? Well, uh, he gets back uh, initially in, in November 72, but he only comes for a period of time and he appoints a candidate. Mm-hmm. The candidate he appoints, Héctor Cámpora, wins in March of 1973 with half, half uh, 50% of the votes. I mean, it's uh, fi- uh, 49.5%. Is, uh, this guy, Campora, the one who uh, uh, handpicked by Perón, 
wins the election very easily, and he's inaugurated in, in May 25, 1973. The whole campaign was dominated by these youths that he just described, the new Peronists, the young Peronists, the left-wing Peronists that thought Perón was going to implement here a kind of social revolution like Fidel Castro had back in Cuba. They mistook a charismatic leader for one who would actually create something good for them. They thought that Perón was going to be a Fidel Castro. He gave signals from the exile because he wanted to have everybody under his wing. The traditional unionists, which are kind of conservative, and these new Peronists, these youngsters, who many of them were children of anti-Peronists in the 1940s and 50s. But during the 60s, you have to, you have to consider the, this hippie movement you have just described, the Cuban Revolution, uh, the activism, I mean, the ideas in the, in the universities. Los golpes de Estado. And yeah, so basically, conclusion, everyone was pissed. Campora uh, comes, handpicked by Perón. The day he, took, he takes power, the very same day, they release all of the, uh, all of the political prisoners, and that included guerrillas. And the military left power uh, completely embarrassed. Comple I mean, it was a day of... Shame for the military. Because what you're saying basically is because the military let these people go in 73, they felt ashamed and they felt angry and illegitimized again. And that also was a contributing factor to the 76 junta. Mm -hmm. And okay. the methods they applied. And the methods they applied. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what happened well, after that? Campora did not have the power. Okay. He was just a face of Perón. And Perón finally came uh, to the country in June. 1973. It was a mess. On June 20th of that year, Perón landed in the country. How many people? Two million? Yes. Two million oh people went God. to Ezeiza Airport to wait for Perón after 18 years. And you had the two factions of Peronism, the a right wing. A rock star. Yeah, I, that's, a rock star. yeah you're right. Yeah. He is a rock star. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But he couldn't land because the left wing and the right wing uh, started a battle. In and how many people died? It uh, has never been confirmed. Actually know. Yeah. Nobody, no, nobody actually knows. And that's when things started to get really, really messy. Campora left power, resigned, two weeks, two weeks later, because I mean, the parents said, if Perón's in the country, what's the point in having this guy? So there were elections again. And Seven, Perón, this is still 73. 73, still 73. Oh uh, Campora left power only 40 days after he was... So, so that's <clears throat> we're still in the middle of 73 at this point. What happened the rest of the year? Uh, Perón, Perón is elected, and there are elections in no. September. The, Perón wins with 62% of the vote. And that's unheard of in any country. And uh, he takes as his vice president his wife, his third wife, mm. Isabel. Right. He's very old, as Lucas pointed out. And he dies in July next year... After, on May of that year, he finally, because he had been kind of ambiguous until that moment where, where he was the right-winger of the 40s or this new left-winger of the 60s. Mm -hmm. But in May, on May 1st, 1974, he finally confesses himself in public and said, no, no, no. I'm a right-winger. Exactly. It was a massive rally in Plaza de Mayo. And all of this... All of this, the, the, La Tendencia, that's how the left wing of the Peronist movement was known, uh, walked away from the square. And Perón died two months later, and the worst scenario possible happened. But in the years of Isabel, which was, I'm assuming, 74 to 76, exactly. things deteriorated. She was a weak leader. and It was a spiral of chaos. Yeah, more and more violence on both sides. Uh, the AAA, the Argentine Anti-Communist Alliance, like stepping things up 
it seems that, well, it doesn't seem that, it's now known that um, Isabel Perón was very involved in the Triplea um, and knew that this right-wing paramilitary organization was getting rid of dissidents, Monteneros, the ERP, and... And anyone who... And, and anyone anyone who could, else as anyone well. Else. Trade, anyone lawyers. trade unionists, uh, yeah. lawyers, um, students. Kind of almost an underground civil war might mm. be a good way of putting it. Although war, again, is a bad term to use. But there were really extreme, extreme sides and violence was increasing all the time. Um, is this something we could almost call, call anarchy? What, what's more important is that there was a perception. The perception in 76 was of a total... No, not anarchy, but that the chaos, evacu- chaos. chaos, chaos, and nobody complained about the toppling of a democratic government, which was the case. No. So then the military took over. B A Cast, B A Cast, the Buenos Aires podcast, podcast. Next Thursday, parts three and four of this special that closes B A Cast season one, and we sign off with Almendra, one of the foundational bands of Argentine rock with a song from their 1969 debut album. This is Plegaria para un niño dormido, or rather, a prayer for a sleeping child. Plegaria para un niño dormido Quizás tenga flores en su ombligo Y además en sus dedos que se vuelven pan barcos de papel sin alta mar plegaría para el sueño del niño donde el mundo es un chocolatín a dónde va Mil niños dormidos que no están Entre bicicletas de cristal Se ríe el niño dormido Quizás se sienta gorrión esta vez Jugueteando inquieto en los jardines de un lugar que jamás despierto encontrará. Que nadie, nadie despierte al niño, déjenlo que siga soñando. Felicidad Destruyendo trapos De lustrar Alejándose De todo el mal Se ríe el niño dormido Gorrión esta vez Jugueteando inquieto en los jardines De un lugar Que jamás Despierto encontrará
alegaría para un niño dormido Quizás tenga flores en su ombligo Y además en sus dedos que se vuelven pan Barcos de papel sin alta mar Se ríe el niño dormido Quizás se sienta gorrión esta vez Jugueteando inquieto en los jardines de un lugar Que jamás despierto encontrarás